you know, you're not going to see anything change unless we dare to really look at everything differently. That was from our honored first guest of Green Dreamer podcast, Adrienne Grenier, who you might know from TV series Entourage or Hollywood film Devil Wears Prada. And more relevantly to sustainability, Adrienne is also a United Nations Environment Goodwill Ambassador and the co-founder of the Lonely Well Foundation, which launched the award-winning viral stop-sucking campaign you've probably seen around because it's literally everywhere. Stay tuned to hear Adrienne share his greatest struggles as an environmentalist, what he learned from the entertainment industry that supports his work as an activist, what we need most today in order to rebuild a sustainable world, and more. Let's dive in. Hey, it's Kamea Shane, and this is Green Dreamer, a podcast for creatives, visionaries, and entrepreneurs dreaming of a sustainable future. Thank you for bringing your light. If you haven't already, make sure to hit subscribe, and together, let's learn what it takes to thrive in every sense of the word. Well, welcome to our very first interview, where I chat with eco-pioneers, revolutionary thinkers, and leading creatives in sustainability. I'm stoked you're here, and I think I need to first warn you, there's a very good chance you're going to walk away today questioning everything. At least that was the case for me. Adrian is a deep dude, not to mention incredibly talented, smart, creative, and passionate about helping to make our world a more just and sustainable place to call home. And he believes that this grand mission begins with you owning the power you have as an individual. In fact, his Lonely Well team recently created something for you to help you very tangibly be able to make a difference. You'll hear Adrian talk a little more about this later. But for now, we're going to get started hearing what first inspired him to care so deeply for our planet. Green Dreamer, without further ado, here's Adrian Grenier. I was really primed and ready prepared by my mother at a young age to look at the world in a particular way. My mom has a very strong connection to her Native American heritage. And she always used to tell me stories of the Native Americans and how they treated the earth and how they had a very respectful relationship and symbiotic coexistence with nature and animals. And I remember I really loved animals. St. Francis of Assisi was my favorite saint, for example. And I really loved the idea that the Native Americans could empathize and understand the needs and wants of not only animals, but also plants and the forest and how everything sort of works in harmony with, one, with itself. And so that was how, how I was raised, with that in mind. And of course, I went through my rebellion stage where I thought I knew it all and I think if we're lucky, we we come back to the truth that we learn from the great mentors and parents and people we look up to. And so eventually, as I got older, I started to apply that wisdom in my life in in you know subtle ways, and, and not until I got older that I, that I start to materialize them in real concrete ways. And as I got older and more mature, it became my life. Mm-hmm. So through your years as an environmentalist, what's been your greatest personal struggle? Personally or as, personally, uh, yeah. As as an environmentalist, you don't want to hear about my girlfriends, do you? Oh no, as an environmentalist. <laughs> <laughs> um consistency. You know, I always say to people, this 
is not a cause. It's not something you just do on a Sunday to feel better about yourself. 15 Hail Marys, clean up the beach and you're done. It's not something that you check off a list. People always ask me, what's, you know, 10, 10 things you can do to help the environment. I don't see it that way. It's really a way of living. It's changing the way you look at stuff and things, your relationship to convenience, your, your relationship to in the enjoyment of things in, in your life. And that actually results in more sustainable behaviors and experiences because you're more connected. So one thing that's challenging is to keep it up and to maintain a lifelong of caring because it's, it's not always easy to care. And so one thing that's very important is to find the energy. So don't burn yourself out. Don't overdo it. Don't become so extreme of an environmentalist that we lose you either to stress or maybe at some points you have to turn off because it's just too emotional. So you become apathetic. And I've been there. I've been to moments of apathy where, you know, the horrors of environmental destruction are just too much. So I, I just turn it off, but that doesn't help. So I really always advocate for moderate participation and let go of the ego. You know, don't think that you and you alone are going to save the planet, that you have all the answers. That's such a narcissistic, there's, there is this narcissism within the sustainability movement. There's narcissism within activism. And I think taking some great leaps and having some bold ideas is important, but don't lose yourself in it because What's hard is not to think you know it all and go yell in someone's face. What's hard is to bite your tongue, take a breath, and win that person over over a period of time and really understand where that person's ignorance has come from. It could be deep-rooted. It could be something that isn't readily apparent. But if you can change one person deeply as opposed to just scaring somebody to <laughs> thinking that you're going to attack them, I think you're going to be better off. And I used to do that, by the way. When I was younger, I was very hot-headed and uh, radical. I used to yell at people in the grocery store because they were double-bagging my bag of trash bags, you know, <laughs> or whatever yeah. it was. So if you could go back in time and give that Adrian a piece of guidance, what would you tell him? Chill out, man. Chill out. <laughs> you know, life is precious. And if it is precious, then you need to really smell the roses and smell, smell the goodness. I mean, there's a lot of good in the world. There's a lot of positivity. You know, and this may shock people, but I, I'm not trying to save the planet, save the earth. The earth was here before us. It'll be here after us. It knows how to handle itself. Really, what I'm doing is trying to find better ways in which humans can create systems that we use to help us achieve our higher higher goals as, as we live, our higher goals in life, in society. Because our higher goals are not to destroy the planet and destroy ourselves and all of the life around it. Our goals are to improve our quality of life, to increase um, our closeness and well-being of our family, 
to find intimate relationships, to have, find joy and laughter. So those are, those are noble, good causes, right? The problem is sometimes we try and achieve those things in the quickest, most destructive ways and often in very selfish ways where we get it for ourselves through greed and, and exploiting natural resources for our own personal gain without thinking about anybody else. So it really is a matter of finding better ways to achieve the goals that are inherently, I think, good. And not about saving the planet, about saving ourselves. Yeah. And most people know your work as an actor, first and foremost. What's something you learned from the entertainment industry that supports your work as an environmentalist? I think it's really important to laugh and to learn how to find some relief and joy. And, and I learned a lot of that in really strange places, places <laughs> that I, like unexpected places. I was on Entourage for many years, and ironically, it's a show about, in many ways, conspicuous consumption and really a lot of things that are anti-environment mm-hmm. uh, and destructive culturally. But I learned to laugh. I learned to let go. I learned to be less serious which really helped me soften and find a little bit more levity in my life, which, as I was mentioning before, I've used to continue my work. But in terms of communication, it's something that I'm still always learning. But, you know, when, when you communicate ideas, like there's so much power in media and entertainment. I don't know. I, I like to maybe separate it, right? So there's entertainment, uh, and then there's there's education, and then there are stories that uplift and inspire and reflect something about the human condition. And sometimes they overlap and sometimes those stories are entertaining, but I try not to watch things that are pure entertainment, just distraction. Sometimes a little escape is okay, like junk food, it's in moderation. But I try and have an enriched media diet in which I'm watching or or engage with stories that have something to inspire in me. And so in, in everything I've done, I've always tried to tell stories that hold up a mirror to the human condition, to society, and then quickly, as quickly as possible, move on to something that can inspire and, and, and call people to act and to participate in the world, not get sucked up in the story. The st- you know, the play is the thing. It's not the play. It's the thing that it inspires, right? So I think that's what I've learned. is, And it's not easy because those aren't always the stories that get the most clicks or make the most money. Um, there's a reason why all the tentpole films out in, the, in Hollywood are the same repetition and nothing new and not interesting, at least to me, but just mindless, just the same regurgitated stories. Because... They don't challenge the audience. So the audience has a moment to escape. And this is sort of one of the issues with the way our, our culture has been set up in, in terms of capitalism. We've created conditions where people have to work really hard just to make ends meet. They're overworked and they're, the, you know, the American dream goes, you know, slips farther and farther away from them. And so the only thing they can do is turn to cheap entertainment on television or in movies or on their phones, which is just another 
consumer encounter where they're spending money to just get a little relief. It's not true depth or, or fulfillment. It's just escape. Yeah, that's very deep rooted as an yeah, issue. Absolutely. And it's not, uh, y- you know, it's not easy to ask somebody to say, oh, okay, after working two jobs and picking up the kids and, you know, having to pay for health care and all of your overhead and insurance and, uh, you know, all these things, now go watch a hard hitting documentary about the world and how fucked up it is and cry about that and then get up and do something about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So like, <laughs> you know, what, it's this vicious what, cycle. Yeah. What is the best way to tackle this larger than life, deep rooted issue? Like where do we even start? It's important to start somewhere. Yes, I agree. <laughs> uh, I think start where your eyes are first opened. There's so many different opportunities. It's like the matrix, right? Once your eyes are open to it, it doesn't matter where you are in the matrix. It's revealed to you. Mm-hmm. I I started, I don't know where I started. Maybe I started, I don't know if I started in environmental work. I mean, maybe a little bit, but I've been doing all sorts of social activism and environmental work for a long time. And it all blends together for me at this point, being, you know, the Neo that I am. No, yeah. uh, but, you know, it's all related. And that, actually, that's part of the work I'm doing right now is, trying to make the connections, you know, it it breaks my heart every time I go to a rally for prison reform, for example, and people are drinking out of straws or using plastic cups, or you go to a fundraiser for a cancer cause and, you know, they're serving bluefin tuna or shrimp cocktail, two of the most destructive well, the way they're caught are the most destructive fishing practices in the ocean. And they don't see it as connected, right? They're there to raise money for one thing, but they're not looking at the whole system, how they've come to bring these people together and considered all of the different mechanisms that are affecting people in the planet. So one thing I'm working on is how do we start to at least make some connection between environmentalists and social activists and also within the environmental movement, people who are doing oceans versus people who are doing uh, endangered species or rhinos and people who are doing climate change uh, with people who are doing, you know, bees. They all have to communicate on some level. And the problem is, and, and I think we're getting better at it, we don't have the ability to communicate effectively come together, unite, and then operate as one voice. Yeah, I almost feel like a lot of this is deep-rooted in in the sense that in our educational systems, like we're taught to specialize in one thing. So we go into that field completely, and then we don't really make that connection between this field and like other fields out there that are related. Yeah, and I think it's important to focus. You know, we are limited as humans, and we're more effective if we can focus. But while focusing on one thing, don't forget to take the time out to consider everything else and how you can include. And it doesn't mean you have to do everything, but you can partner, you can collaborate with others. And I think in this get mind society, this capitalist society that's all about um, your pursuit for happiness, you know, your access to the American dream. You forget that it works, we work together. 
And I think that whole American dream thing is a sham. It doesn't work. If we all try and get our own, you see what happens. The rich get richer, the poor get poorer, and we keep seducing people into thinking that they too can have a piece of the American dream. They too can be rich and famous and uh, you know have infinite options if they just work hard enough, and that's just not true. Not everybody in our country can have the same uber amount of wealth. It's not mathematically possible. So what does that mean? That means we have to find happiness and contentment and other things, and we have to demand that our governments fight for justice and equality and really start to clamp down on this preposterous notion that the American dream can be anybody's if if only they just worked 17 jobs and <laughs> paid for their own insurance and 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 so so anyway the long, long story short is do it together collaborate and work with others when focusing focus mm-hmm. but then also take the time to dip outside and look outside yourself and connect with others the lonely well foundation my foundation was inspired by our hero mascot, the lonely whale. And he's a whale that speaks a different language. He's been calling out his whole life without receiving a response because he's the only one that speaks 52 hertz while other whales sing at 15 to 20. And knowing that whales are highly sentient and very social, our whale, we can only imagine, is lonely because he hasn't connected quite yet with another of his kind. And so inspired by him, we also seek connection. We also want to make those bonds between each other and people and the ocean. Mm -hmm. So I always say to people, collaborate because you synthesize ideas, you hold each other accountable, and it's more fun with your friends. Yeah. And also on the Lonely Well website, it says that we believe safe campaigns and ideas won't save the ocean. That's why we're constantly challenging ourselves and our partners to push the edge of what we think is possible. Can you share one of your ideas on what we can do to accelerate towards a sustainable planet? Well, I think one thing, and I, and I mentioned this before, I touched upon it. We can't look at environmentalism as this bastardized thing. You know, for too long, it's the nonprofit world. For too long, it's radical hippies. For too long, it's these marginalized ideas, this fringe, while what's mainstream? The mainstream things are business and capitalism and, you know, jobs. Well, what the fuck, man? Jobs, like, we need to bring environmentalism into our jobs, into our work. We need a green economy. We need an environmental sheen. We need environmental DNA in everything we do, in what we eat, how we eat, how we create our food, where we source our food, how we work, what kinds of projects we revere and work on, what our society decides they want to put their money to. Uh, infrastructure, sure. We, we, we want infrastructure spending. Well, let's let's build into the actual DNA, the infrastructure of our of our country, in our cities, in our roads, green principles, and in messaging of sustainability and compassion and equality and <laughs> all the other things that uh, we need to remind ourselves of every day. Yeah, it's kind of for human survival. We need these values built into everything else that we do. 
Absolutely. We are, I mean, we, we really do need to recondition ourselves into thinking of the way we live in, in an entirely diff- a different way. One exercise that I like to do, and I encourage you to do it, just take something that you take for granted, look at it, and then really question it and see if you can actually get outside of your own conditioning about that thing. And some things are harder than others. But for example, this is maybe the most obvious one, but I use it all the time. Look outside and I'm sure you're going to see a concrete sidewalk or an asphalt road where cars drive. Mm -hmm. I see that. (laughs) It's inevitable, right? It's like, well, of course, that's where the cars have to drive and that's where the people have to walk. Why? Who decided that? And why is that something that we just accept as fact, as inevitable as the tides? Mm. Why? Time to question everything. (laughs) We must question everything because we started building a society on false hopes and dreams, a seduction that was destructive a destructive seduction. (laughs) And we need to be unafraid to rebuild. And sometimes we may have to break things apart in order to rebuild. You know, you're not going to see anything change unless we dare to really look at everything differently. And unfortunately, we've, we've built our whole society on this idea of capitalism and the American dream. And that is, I think we, we need to start there. You know, our, our forefathers, some of our forefathers have had us running scared from commies and, and communists, right? Well, I don't know. Maybe communist with a twist, maybe a different way of being more egalitarian for more people might actually be a better way. But in order to pick sides and, and have wars and keep us distracted, we chose an enemy and we we overinflated, you know, our our position, but capitalism is really gone awry and needs to be reined in. Yeah, well, we definitely have a lot of things to question. And lonely whale stop sucking campaign that recently challenged us to rethink the simple habit of using straw. So we'll continue to take that forward to keep asking questions. But for now, what's next for you? What's next for uh, Lonely Whale Foundation that we can look forward to and support? Well, we just released a toolkit, which I'm very excited about, that will allow people anywhere to very easily make a personal switch to marine-friendly paper, but also take the toolkit, go to your local restaurant, venue, your favorite bar, uh, wherever, and petition the manager or whoever and share with them our, the toolkit and encourage them to make the switch as well. See how many, how many restaurants you can sign up. Maybe it's one, maybe it's 10, maybe it's a big stadium and keep track of all the the changes and let us know because we're also keeping track. We are tallying all of the single-use plastic straws that are being eliminated from the waste stream so that we can have measurable, real tangible change. We're a small team. We're about three full-time employees and then a board of advisors. So it's a very small team and we can only do so much. And that's why we need you. We need your help to go out and start signing people up sign up those restaurants and then let us know so that we can make everybody stop sucking 
Before we go into Adrian's final five tips for you, along with my personal takeaways, I wanted to let you know that you can follow Adrian everywhere on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, by searching for his full name, Adrian Grenier. You can download the toolkit he was talking about at strawlessocean.org and learn more about the Lonely Whale Foundation at lonelywhale.org. As he mentioned, his team is huge on collaborations. So if you have any innovative ideas or projects that might be of interest to them, hop on their website and don't be afraid to reach out. In case you don't get to write all this down, don't worry about it. I'll have all the links, resources, and key quotes from the episode ready for you in the show notes at greendreamer.com. And now, on to our final five and my personal takeaways. Let's power through. What's a publication or social media you follow that uplifts you? Van Jones. I love Van Jones, man. He can articulate things and make connections, important connections, like no one else and really boil it down to the essence and the importance of of the matter and just a beautiful human being and just really like the guy and so is that am i allowed to say he's got a show i can say him yeah for sure (laughs) uh my second question is what do you tell yourself to stay motivated and positive all of life is an act of holding on and letting go so when you hold on, you care, you, you show that you care, you put your passion in. But when you let go, you let things just be and you accept things as they are. So that's what I do. I just, I practice letting go and just to give myself some relief. Yeah. And what's a must do for your health, either daily or weekly? Well, <laughs> um, I'll introduce you to a little something that uh, I've been working on. So I've been in Habitarian for almost a year now, and it's the idea that we consume too much generally, and certainly too much meat. But a lot of people have a hard time making the switch to full vegan, or vegetarian even. Uh, So I'm posing an alternative, a sort of a gateway, a a stepping stone, which is being Habitarian. So it's like meatless Mondays, except instead of only Monday, I do every other day. So even dates, I'm vegetarian. The second, the fourth, the sixth, the eighth, etc., are my vegetarian days. And the odd dates, first, third, fifth, are I can consume uh, meat protein. And here's the thing. We have almost 8 billion people on the planet. If everybody cut their meat consumption by half, it would be as if there's 4 billion people on the planet, which it's arguable that the planet can sustain 4 billion people. Mm-hmm. Not, not so much, 8 billion, less 12 billion. Um, so take that principle, apply it to how you consume and what you consume, and then you can also bring it into other things. Just half everything. And what's a simple action we can take for our planet's health this week? Uh, hold your breath for as long as you can. Really? <laughs> um, I mean, you'll, you'll breathe less carbon dioxide out. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, go download our toolkit and go sign up one restaurant. That's it. And go from there. If you can get a second one in, great. If maybe, you, maybe you'll get hooked and you'll do more. But sign up one restaurant. Yeah. And what makes you most hopeful for our planet right now? The world, I think, is waking up in many ways. There's never been more global awareness. And in the information age, 
we have an opportunity to not only share information, but connect with one another. And even though it may be a little bit sloppy at first, we might be stumbling through these early stages of the technology and maybe taking too many selfies. I think eventually we're going to find all of this connectivity is going to help us lurch to the next epoch of life. And what final words of wisdom would you like to pass on to us as green dreamers? One of my favorite quotes, he who procrastinates in his choosing will have his choice made for him by circumstance. So go out there and choose to change the world because otherwise the world is going to do it for us and I don't think it's going to feel very good. It's time. It's time to go out there, to get active with your daily choices, and to make some waves. Green Dreamer, here are my two takeaways from the episode for you. Number one, to improve our world from its core, we have to rethink our assumptions and the very fundamentals of how everything works. We have to question everything, ourselves, others, how our world functions. I loved when Adrian said, sometimes we have to break things down to rebuild. That's just gold. Number two, If we can inspire more connections among social activists, environmentalists focusing on different things, and even people who don't label themselves as environmentalists, this movement can become much more powerful with one united front. At the heart of it, we're all human, right? I mean, forget the labels. We all need clean air, clean water, biodiversity. So it's time to make more connections, and it's time to welcome everybody into the conversation. It's time to think about how we can build green values into literally everything we do and how we function as a society. Long after I had this conversation, I was still thinking deeply about what Adrian said, and I hope that you'll walk away from this episode also thinking more deeply and broadly about how we can make these important connections. But there, that's a wrap for our first interview. Thank you so much for tuning in. This podcast is totally new to me. Obviously, this is episode one, but I have every ounce of intention and determination to support you, your well-being, and all that you do in sustainability with the podcast. So if you have any feedback to help me improve the show, I would so appreciate that. You can reach me at hello at greendreamer.com or on Instagram at Shane. K-A-M-E-A-C-H-A-Y-N-E. And finally, remember, now more than ever, our planet needs your light to thrive. So if you haven't yet, hit subscribe and Green Dreamer, I will catch you later.